Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 12 of Talk is Cheap, our Giants podcast on NJ.com. Joe and Jordan with you this week. How you doing, Jordan? Joe, what's going on? Life is good. It's summertime. Still talking football, though. Still talking football in the summer. That's what makes, that's what makes life good for and us. That's what we do here. That's what uh, we do. Right here in this space, uh, definitely. That is what we do here, and happy to have all of you listening to us on our 12th episode of this podcast, and as we count down the days the towards training does. camp, there's so much still to talk about, Jordan. There's always football to talk about. Yeah, there's always football to talk about. we got a couple of things, you know. We're, we're going over the, some of the scraps from uh, minicamp still, just, you know, sifting through some of the information. Uh, yeah, Steve Weatherford now uh, catching the attention of, of the Philadelphia Eagles, which, uh, you know, that's, that always makes for uh, a fun uh, NFC East rivalries. And, uh, you know, we've got Eli Manning's future that's still lingering over our heads. And a lot of good things. A lot, a lot of good of things to talk about. There really is. And we'll get to a mailbag and we'll also mention uh, where we stand with our greatest living Giants yeah. ranking. So let's start here. You mentioned, yeah. you mentioned the quarterback situation, Jordan. You guys had, had wrote, written recently here about Tom Conan, Eli Manning's agent saying he was confident a deal with Eli is going to get done at some point. You think about Eli here and the fact that there's still some uncertainty because they haven't re-signed him yet and he could be a free agent after the year. You think out to Seattle, Russell Wilson, and a lot of you know growing rumors out there that that marriage, which looked to be so promising, so much success early on, may end. It, you don't usually see this with you know franchise quarterbacks where there's some uncertainty of whether they're going to stay where they are. Yeah, well, I don't believe the Russell Wilson stuff for a second. I mean, they're not going to cut ties with Russell Wilson. I just don't see that ever happening. I, I think this is just a lot of talk on that end right now. You know, they're posturing in regards to contract stuff on that side. Uh, the Eli thing, you know, it, a little more uncertainty to me than that because Eli isn't, you know, I don't know Russell Wilson's exact age, but he's definitely in probably in his like mid to, you know, upper 20s at, at the most. And Eli is going to be 34, 35 years old. There's a big difference, especially if you miss the playoffs for a fourth straight year. Whereas the you know the Seahawks are cruising into uh, you know two straight Super Bowls. They won one of them. Uh, they've they've done some pretty good things lately. You know the Giants, if they have an overhaul this offseason, then you never know what's going to happen. So, and the fact that Eli's not signed leaves open the possibility that hey, they could do something. That it is possible that they decide uh, to trade him or not resign him or, you know, whatever craziness we could think of. I mean, in all likelihood, though, Eli Manning will be back, and he will be the Giants quarterback for at least a few more years uh, here in, like, uh, I wouldn't say the twilight of his career, but it's definitely towards the end of his career. I mean, he's not going to play for another 10, no, another 10 years. That's not happening. You know, he's he's not playing until he's 45, and if he does, uh, I'm, I'm, I would doubt it would be with the, all with the Giants at that point. So, uh, you know, there, there's uncertainty, and it's because Eli's unsigned, but like Tom Condon said, and he told the day he told the Daily News in that interview, uh, you know, franchise quarterbacks just don't hit the market, and there's a reason for that. I mean, they're valuable commodities, and just like Eli is with the Giants, even even uh, you know, off his you know, 27 interception season, somebody would have taken Eli Manning, and, and there would there would probably teams that would have been lining up for the opportunity to get Eli Manning and rekindled the good years that he had, uh, the, the two Super Bowl years, the 2011, and, and so so on and so forth. So, Jordan, as you were saying that and talking about the fact that, you know, these kind of quarterbacks don't usually switch teams, don't really hit the open market, and I, I think we both agree that the most likely scenario is Wilson gets it done in Seattle, he stays out there, and Eli probably stays with the Giants. But there's a lot of talk around the Russell Wilson stuff, and really 
not much around Eli, even though they're in pretty much the same situation where they could be a free agent after the year. Do you think that's because of Eli's personality downplaying it, that people don't really believe he's going to go anywhere? Why do you think it's not a big story, even though Wilson and Eli, basically the same situation, both could be free agents after the year? Yeah, partially because they're the, you know the Giants just don't have that juice right now. That you know the Seattle Seahawks are the hot team. Russell Wilson's a hot player. Eli's a quiet, you know, go about his business type of guy. Uh, you know, the Giants aren't lightning rods for these kind of things. They're they're, they're sort of ho hum like Eli Manning, ho hum. He's going to go back to the Giants, and Russell Wilson's the, the sexier story here. So I think that's the reason. I, I and in all likelihood. There's a greater chance, in my opinion, that Eli Manning is on a different team next year, before, way before Russell Wilson is. But, hey, I've been wrong before. I mean, you, you really think Russell Wilson's going anywhere, Joe? No, I don't. But I just find it interesting that a team that he's had – I mean, he's played a major role, even though, you know, you have the running game there, you have the defense. But he's played a big role in what they've done the last couple of years. You would think something would get done, you know, rather quickly, but yet it seems like they're posturing over a couple dollars here and there. Well, here's the deal, Ready? I think uh, we all realize what the – I mean, this is obviously from the outside looking in. I haven't talked to anyone. I don't have any inside information on this. But you look from a distance and you see he's got a great team around him. And while he's a very good quarterback, I think people around the league, they know, they see what he does. He's not, you know, one of the – he's not a truly – he's not Tom Brady. You know, but he's got the success and track record right now, especially with that team and the way they are, where they're probably negotiating as if he's a superstar quarterback. And so the team is, you know, probably not so willing to pay him in regards to, you know, top five quarterback money because they really don't think he's at that level and they want to try and keep this team together in some way, shape, or form. And in order to do that, they're going to have to keep the quarterback's salary reasonable. And, uh, so they're probably just posturing both sides. I mean, that's my out opinion from the outside looking in. And, uh, you know, it'll eventually get done. Worst, ca worst case scenario, they'll franchise tag him. You know, he's not going anywhere. You don't get rid of 28-year-old quarterbacks, 27-year-old quarterbacks or whatever, especially when you're, in the, when you're in the middle of such a run. Right, and I mean, they could after this season. Who knows? Go to who's, who's their backup, Joe? The Seahawks backup? Tavares Jackson? Is it still Tavares Jackson? I think they actually brought him out. I have no idea, but that's you know that's that's the point. Who are the Seahawks gonna get to play quarterback? I mean, come on. Right, it's Matt, the one, Matt, the Matt one position out there or something. It's the one position in sports where the drop off from the starter to the next guy is just so stark, especially you know when it's a quarterback like Wilson to compare compared to whoever else they'd uh, you know they put in there besides him. Yeah, I mean they don't even have. Uh, you know, a guy that they drafted in the last couple of years that they think is, you know, like like uh, Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick kind of thing where they make a bold move because they have a guy behind them. I mean, they have nobody behind them. This is, this is a no-brainer in my opinion. They're not going to go and say, oh, we'll find the quarterback. They, they know how hard that is. Everyone in the league knows how hard that is, including the Giants. They did it once. You know, they looked for one for a while too before Eli came along. No doubt about it. All right, Jordan, you mentioned there the Giants and Eli, not the type of team's going to be in the headlines, not that kind of stuff. But there is a story that's been in the headlines the last couple of days. Steve Weatherford uh, was on WFAN, I believe Joe Beningo, and uh, he was on with the morning show last week and talking about just the NFL at large. And the Eagles came up, and you know they've had a wild offseason down there in Philadelphia, and their quarterback situation came up. They obviously brought in Sam Bradford. They brought in Tim Tebow to come to camp here, and we'll see what shakes out with the Eagles and how good their quarterbacks are. But you know, Weatherford had some interesting things to say about 
re-signing, maybe not signing, or the risk of signing Sam Bradford, and then had some stuff about Tebow, how he's a nice guy, but he wouldn't want him to be the quarterback. And I, that's why, I guess that's why we're not head coaches, guys, because some of the moves that he's made, makes I'm sense. the well, biggest Tim Tebow fan in the world. I mean, who wouldn't want their daughter to, you okay. know, to date a guy like that? But I'll tell you what, I don't want him taking snaps for my team. The best no. quarterback on that team is Sanchez to me. He's better I, I than Bradford. I mean, Bradford could never Bradford. stay on the field. Yeah, he, could, he never plays. He's going to give you more consistency. Is Bradford that much better than Sanchez? I think, I think he's better when he's healthy, but the, he can't stay on the field. I agree with that, field. but you, I mean, you have to look at it's the same thing like this. Okay, I'm going to give you uh, a Ferrari that maybe won't be running all the time, or you know what, I'm going to give you a nice Cadillac mm. sedan. It's not the fastest, but you know what you're going to get out of it. Mark Sanchez is a Cadillac. You know, he's not super fast. He's not going to stop on a dime. You know what you're going to get out of him. Bradford can go 0 to 60 in three seconds, but you don't know if he's going to start up some days. That's it. So it's it's got to be frustrating for them. And I've heard uh, rumors that they're trying to, to get an extension done with Bradford. I'm like, really? Good luck with that. Yeah. How about, I'm I'll tell you this. First. How about Let this? Let me see Chip, what he does first. Chip Kelly. He's made a lot of money. Chip Kelly. I know. Well, absolutely. For nothing. For doing nothing. For doing nothing. Chip Kelly will get himself in serious trouble if they work out an extension for that guy and then he ends up getting hurt. Oh, no doubt. He's done. He'll be back coaching Oregon again. Agreed. I didn't think what Steve Weatherford said was crazy. It's actually an opinion I share on both of those things. But he's he's a player on a rival, so it's become a story. And now Weatherford on Monday, you know, out there on radio in Philadelphia trying to kind of calm down the fire that he set forth here with this little rivalry. Yeah, let's be honest. I mean... When you say things about the opposition's quarterbacks and you say you wouldn't want the guy as your quarterback and you uh, make a comment. I think, you know, Tebow thing, that's just big because people, anything to say about Tim Tebow is big. But the Bradford thing is the one where you look at it and you're like, whoa, you know, he basically said good luck with Bradford staying healthy. Uh, so, you know, it was definitely uh, an interesting comment and one that's going to grab attention. So, you know, he's got to have to deal with this, uh, the little, I don't know, reverberations off this and whatever's the residue that, that's going to come from these comments. So, uh, you know, Jason Kelsey had some interesting words to say for him. Like, who's talking to the punter anyway? But uh, that's the way things are here in New York when the punter is as uh, personable, I'll say, as, as uh, Steve Weatherford. So, yeah, he's going to – you know what? All it does is make for some entertainment – especially with the NFC stuff. Uh, it'll make for, you know, interesting rivalry, fun Eagles-Giants week. So, you know, it's good. All in good fun. That's really all it amounts to at this point. That is what it is, and it's going to make the rivalry really fun this year. And uh, What are your thoughts? We'll get into as the summer goes on and we get closer to all that kind of stuff with the season. We'll get you know more into NFC East type of breakdown and, and really preview all this. But what were your thoughts on what the Eagles did at the quarterback position, specifically, you know, bringing in Sam Bradford, who obviously when he came out of Oklahoma, a ton of talent, it's all there, but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Do you think the Eagles improved at quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I guess they rolled the dice, man. You know, this is a huge roll of the dice. Uh, they're hoping Sam Bradford can stay healthy, and I understand it because, uh, in, a, in a way, when you look at it, they look at they looked at Nick Foles, and they said they didn't think he was a real Super Bowl-winning quarterback and a real, you know, quarterback that they should build their team around. Uh, they look at Sam Bradford and they think, okay, at least that potential is there. We think that this is a guy we can build our team around. Now, whether it can happen or not is a big risk. But what did they really risk? You know, what did they really risk? Nick Foles, who they had already determined wasn't that guy. So, 
I, I, when I look at the quarterback position, I, I, I understand the gamble, and I think it's worth it. Go for it. And worst case scenario, uh, you know, Bradford gets injured. You got Mark Sanchez to get you through the season. And while Mark Sanchez may not be that guy either, he might be more in the Nick Foles category. He's good enough to get you through a season, and you're certainly not going to be a terrible team because Mark Sanchez is your quarterback. If you know, if yeah, if he has the weapons he had with the Jets, they'll be they'll be a terrible team. But uh, the Eagles have some weapons for him. They have some players around him, and uh, I, I think it's a uh, uh, when you look at the the risk reward. I understand what the Eagles are doing now. Whether they come back next year and draft a quarterback, I, you know, that could be a possibility. Who knows? So uh, we'll we'll see. But I kind of I kind of think in the short term, I'm not sure how much it's going to pay off. It's it's it, it's hard to see this really working out year one for the Eagles and them being really good this year. There's so much turnover, so many new players, not just at the quarterback position, but now we're talking everywhere. So uh, if Sam Bradford's a quarterback. He's got two new running backs. He's got a couple new offensive linemen. And he's got a couple new receivers, really young receivers, too, that they're relying on heavily. So a lot of change going on, a whole new defense, really, in, in Philadelphia. A lot of changes. And we saw what happens when you make a whole lot of changes. Look at the Giants last year. They overhauled the whole roster. And, you know, it, it rarely ever works out in the NFL when you do that that first year. And it's rare you see a team coming off. I know the Eagles didn't make the playoffs, but coming off of back-to-back 10-win seasons – to do what they did, so it's. Yeah, I mean, you, you see that being a, a a team that could really make a serious run this year with that with that quarterback play, though. You know, I'll tell you what, most teams, most year, teams, if they did, yeah, most teams, I'd say no. But the the way Chip Kelly does things, it's almost like it's almost like college all over again, where you have a new slew of players every year. I don't, I don't know if it bothers him the way it would bother most coaches, and I'm not sure if it's going to affect them the same as it would affect most teams. Now, I, I don't think they're going to win 13 games and dominate the division, but I think they'll be right there again, 10, 10 wins or so. Yeah, well, good, well, if Chip Kelly can do it, good for him. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing to do for sure. And uh, we're going to see a lot about Chip Kelly this year, just how, you know, how magical a coach he is, and with, especially with these quarterbacks. And if he could take Sam Bradford, a guy who really hasn't had any taste of real success in the NFL so far, and make it work year one. It would be striking, and it would kind of make you believe that whoever they plug in that offense could just make it go if, if he does do that. Now, Yeah, but in the long term, Joe, the goal is to win the Super Bowl. Right. You know, they might be able to make the, the offense go, and they might be a good team, but the real question is, are they, you know, that top-level Super Bowl quarterback? And uh, I don't know. I guess I could see Bradford being that guy if he had, a, you know, the right guys around him and then that right system, but... They're a long way from reaching that point of anybody knowing for sure that he can be that guy. Right, and like that's just what Steve Weatherford was trying to get at. If you give that guy a contract and he blows another knee out, uh, you're in big trouble if you're Chip Kelly. You mentioned the rivalry there and how much fun it's going to be, Kelsey coming back at Weatherford and the Giants-Eagles thing. Uh, you know, when you're around these games in the, in the yeah, NFC East... Is, is Weatherford playing defensive tackle this year? Uh, well, he's, <laughs> I don't know if he's quite is big enough. I mean, he's a pretty jack punter, but I'm not sure if he's yes, big enough he is, to be mine. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think he's going to be going up head-to-head -head against Kelsey anytime soon. No, I don't. hopefully not. Not for his sake. Now, when you're around the NFC East, which rivalry in your mind has the most juice right now with the Giants, the other three teams in the NFC East? Is it the Eagles or is it the Cowboys? And I guess we'll exclude the Redskins for now. Yeah, I don't know about the Cowboys right now. I don't think the Cowboys have, have much with the, with the Giants when you look at it. I mean, what, you know, what kind of pull is there with Cowboys-Giants at this point? Uh, aside from people comparing, you know, arguing over Eli Manning or Tony Romo, I, I, I think 
with the way it's unfolded the last couple of years, the Eagles and the, the Cowboys have played more big games against each other uh, over probably the last five or six years. I think that is is the, you know, when you look at the Cowboys, that's it. But, the, you know, the Eagles are just such a lightning rod. They're the closest team to the Giants that right now that that, I think, is has the most juice to it just, be, just because of everything there. And, uh, you know, they, they've, they've been did a lot of talking last year back and forth before they played the two teams, and uh, I think we're going to see that again. I think we will, too. We get a couple games. I like it. I mean, wherever, it makes it fun. I mean, you, this way, you know, you got, you got a real rival. You got a team to talk about, and, and I think that that's, that's what people want. And two good spots for the games this year, Monday Nighter in Philadelphia in, yeah, October, in October, and then the last game of the season in Giant Stadium. Yeah. Well, we thought the last two game of the season also last year was going to mean something, and it, uh, when they met, and it meant absolutely nothing, and it was a garbage game. So yeah, it was a waste of time. Uh, hope, You're right. Yeah, hopefully we get a little bit more. And that was better than the uh, Giants Redskins the year before in the you know monsoon uh, where Eli Manning basically you know broke his ankle or whatever. And so uh, yeah, but. Hopefully this year we finally get a, a finale that actually means something. It would mean that the Giants season should won't be over by the beginning of December for a third straight year, which would be which, nice. Which would be very nice for you know you covering it and all the fans out there watching. All right, Jordan. You know we have a what about a month to go before training camp starts here. So every week from now, yeah, actually a month. Yeah, I'm Ju- July 30th. So uh, we're we're right up on a month. Right up on a month. So every week, every every time we record this podcast leading up to training camp. Well, we'll each all name a player where Nick is with us, when Nick Powell makes his uh, return. That guy, he's... Maybe, uh, he's in, maybe he's in Safari again or something. That guy's in and out. We can't, we can't lock him <laughs> down. But next time he comes back, he'll Stop join us. Maybe he's in China or Asia or the Orient or so, something of the sort. As long as he's around for training camp, I, I guess we won't get too mad at him. Yeah. He'll, he'll tell us about his, his uh, exploits around uh, Europe and Asia and... and uh, Wherever the heck he is, Africa. He'll, he'll add some culture to our football podcast. Well, we need it, Joe. We're talking about two people who are almost completely one-dimensional, right here. Uh, you know, right, we right. could, we could, we could, we could use, we could use someone who has a, a little worldly attitude going on. I agree with that. As we're just locked in here to our, our football conversation. All right, let's. We'll do this every week leading up to training camp. We're going to name a player. Uh, that we're excited about or interested to watch when training camp starts. Someone we're thinking about and just what kind of season they'll have and, and what they'll be uh, for this 2015 season. So I'll start us off. The player that we're I was going to go to the about, trenches. Start in the trenches. We're going to start in the trenches, exactly. And, and I saw you had written about him, and we talked about him before, just because of the numbers he put up last year. You know, we didn't expect Jonathan Hankins last year to be a big sack guy. I don't think any of us did, but he had a good number of sacks. The Giants didn't expect it. That's the thing. I mean, you look at Tom Coughlin, you look at the defensive line coach, they they didn't expect it. I mean, this was a surprise to them that he was that good of a pass rusher. He did a great job, and I'm interested to see, you know, can he improve? Can he take another leap? Can he maintain that pass rush? Can he be opportunistic there? What will he be? I think he's a good player. Can he be even more than that? That's the guy I'm wondering about. I'm thinking about heading to training camp. Who do you got? Yeah, I mean, well, hold on. I'm with first on Hankins. I'm with you. I mean, I see a good player, but I didn't. I don't watch, and I didn't see a great player. If he's going to be a great player, he really needs to take it to another level because he's got to do it consistently. Look, those numbers in part were due. In part, look, he was very successful and he had a good season. Probably should have even been a Pro Bowler, but the numbers are in part because they were so short on the line that he played so many snaps. He was up there with the top guys in snaps because. They just didn't have enough in the line where they could feel like they could take him out of the game. So some of that 
is he compiled those stats in because he played so many snaps. Now, to me, he was there. I didn't watch the game and see him dominate at all times. Like when you watch Nadamakan Sue or JJ uh, Watt, every play is the guy is just makes an impact. I, I didn't see that. I saw Jonathan Hankins flash a lot, by the way, flash a lot, but not do it a hundred percent consistently. So that's the difference. Look. We're, we're talking about the difference between being a very good player, you know, Pro Bowl caliber player, and the difference between an all-pro player. So that's kind of what we're interested to see. Can he get to that level? We see now that he's a good player. Let's see if he can get to the great player level. You just never know. You don't. And I saw a guy that was a little bit opportunistic, and this is not a bad thing because if you get to the quarterback, you did your job. But yeah. I saw a guy that, the, you know, the pocket was pushed by OC, and he was there, and he kind of – gobbled up the sack, and that's great, but like you said, I didn't see him like a Sue where he's the one that created the sack. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I I agree with you. I'm not sure about the, 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 you know, OC wasn't on the Giants last year, but, uh, you know, I think I think you meant, were you talking about this year or were you talking about in the past? And, uh, you mentioned Did OC. Did I say OC? I meant JPP. Yeah. Okay, that's why I was, I was a little confused. I, I, for a second, I thought maybe you were talking about, like, you know, an older giant, a Keith Hamilton or or a Canty or something, and I and I missed it. But yeah, okay, you meant JPP. Right. Now here's another, here's a, here's here's my guy for the defensive line. Okay, has never really done much aside from he scored a touchdown last year, which was kind of a bit of a fluke. Uh, had a touchdown before a sack, which is think of, if you think about that for a defensive tackle is kind of wild. A Marcus Kuhn now. Okay, I know a lot of fans like oh, when I say Marcus Kuhn's name, they they don't want to hear it at this point. But this is it. Make a break year for him. So I'm interested in seeing what exactly he can develop into. Look, he's got the size. He's got the speed. He even put on weight. I think he's in the 320 range now. Looks really good. Now, can he translate that into being a good player on the field? Does he have the instincts? Does he have, uh, you know, just the knowledge of the game and the ability to pick it up and make plays? Uh, You know, they're going to give him an opportunity. He was running with the first team this spring. He'll probably run with the first team in the you know good part of the summer, but the key for him is he's gonna have to show it in, in the preseason. He's gonna have to show it in the scrimmages when they play the Bengals, and he's gonna have to show it every day that he can go out there and be a successful player in this league. Because at this point, we really haven't seen that. Now, there's athleticism there, there's strength, there's size, all of the tools seem to be there, but can he put it all together? I'm not so sure. Uh, you know. The interesting part with Marcus Kuhn is he's a guy who can go from he can, from saying, okay, he can be a starter, he can be a significant player, or he can be a guy who doesn't even make the roster. So I, I think there's, there's a wide range of what we could see from Marcus Kuhn this summer, and I'm interested to see exactly where it is. I mean, he admitted this is make or break time for him. So this summer, 2015, this is, this is it for Marcus Kuhn. Over under, over under this year, Marcus Kuhn touchdowns, one and a half. You're taking the over or the under? <laughs> um, I would put a lot on the under there. Uh, you just, that's just me. Nothing against Marcus, you know, but uh, I'm going to go with the under. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a smart bet there. So wait, you're, Joe, are you, wait, are you really willing to take the over? No, I don't, I don't think anyone should take it. I would give you one and a half sacks, by the way. How about that? All right, how about this? Two and a half combined sacks and touchdowns. <laughs> still give me under. All right, still give me under. His career, he's still under on both of them. You're probably right about that, and he has the touchdown uh, actually, yeah, in he's the background. Is that two, right? I'm pretty sure he's at two. I think he is. All right, we have a couple mailbag questions, and then we'll 
get to our uh, Greatest Living Giants contest as it rolls along here into its second, actually its third week. So first mailbag question came in from uh, an avid listener, Joe. He sent me an email, and he wanted to know about, you know, if things go well for the Giants this year, Tom Coughlin obviously is not a spring chicken. Eventually one day uh, he will move on. Does the addition of Spagnolo change uh, Giants fans' thoughts, or should it change their thoughts on who might be the heir apparent if he's on the staff right now? I think McAdoo's name was thrown out there last year because he arrived and he's running the offense now. But Spagnolo back now, he's had success before. Of those two, uh, which one would make more sense if things were to go perfect and say, you know, Coughlin would retire and walk into the sunset and they kept someone on the staff? Would it be Spags or McAdoo? Uh, you know, I'm going to go with McAdoo. Spags had his opportunity. It didn't work. Uh, I think he might be a guy who's better served at this point to be a coordinator, that that's his thing. He's a teacher. And, you know, for them to go and go that route with Spags at this point, I'm not sure that's the way they're looking at it. I think if the all, first of all, the be, if the better unit is the offense as expected, McAdoo's, you know, star is going to rise even more. Uh, Spags' job at this point is just to get this defense to be average. Uh, so I, I just think that McAdoo, he has that, I don't know, that Coughlin-type demeanor more than, uh, than Spags also. Very military, the, the, the military-type style, I think, that the all-business-type style, whereas Spags is more personable. Maybe not, maybe not exactly made out to be a head coach, you know, because of that personality that he has, that maybe that... Uh, that uh, McAdoo was McAdoo is so I'm gonna say no. It doesn't change much. I think they're just trying to get look. They had a, he's trying to resuscitate his his coaching career. Let's be honest. We're talking. I'm not. I don't think anyone's ruling really to put him in head coaching category at this point, considering he was a uh, secondary coach last year for the Baltimore Ravens. Right. He did a nice job. That, but but that, he wasn't even a secondary coach. He was just like a assistant to John Harbaugh. So uh, I think. He's a long way from getting to the point where he's back into the head coaching discussion. I'd agree with that. I think McAdoo probably would be the highest in the pecking order there uh, as we talk about maybe an heir apparent to Tom Coughlin. So, Jordan, I'm sure you especially, saw... Hold on, let me just say one thing. Especially with the Giants, with the way McAdoo conducts and, and carries himself, it just has that Tom Coughlin-type feel. You feel like he's a 30-year younger version. Uh, you know, He's even more than 30 years younger than him. But even a 30-year younger version than Tom Coughlin. And, you know, the Giants are not exactly displeased with how it's worked out with Coughlin. They like the way he goes about his business, how he's gone about his business. Even if it ends poorly here at the end, uh, they know that that is a way to be successful in the NFL. They've seen it happen twice uh, in the past eight years. So I, I think that makes McAdoo a, a much more viable candidate at this point. So I, Spag's not, not, uh, not on the head coaching radar at this point. Yeah, and I agree with you. The way you know Coughlin has gone about setting the tone for the organization. You think about where they were when he came in. I mean, that's that's what they were begging for after the right. fossil regime ended. And and he's you know even though they've had some down years here, the totality of his era, they he's put them on a very you know very kind of consistent path to being at least a, you know a pretty good team most of the time. Yeah, I mean, look, if you win a Super Bowl, what are they at? Twelve years now. If you win two, uh, two in every 12 years, then everybody's going to be happy. That's just the way it is in the NFL these days. If you don't, you know, if you don't make the playoffs in those other years, yeah, it's a problem. But you know, you don't want to do it four straight years. But at the same time, you know, what are you going to do? 
you, you know, you get those Super Bowls and you'll deal with the bad down, the down when you have that, those kind of highs. Every, every organization in the NFL would do that. All right, so I'm sure yeah, you, you saw... 12 years, who's going to complain about two and 12 years? Maybe, uh, you know, the Patriots? The, barely even now? They have four, four and 12 years now? Something yeah, like they that. Four, yeah they, I mean, they have a bunch, and they went through a couple more. But four, outside of that, every, you know, they're, they're above everybody else, though. They're yeah, a different four, world. Four and ten, but I'm saying, but who else is going to two and 12 years sign on the dotted line every, every organization in the NFL? No doubt about it. All right, so, Jordan, I'm sure you saw last week we, uh, we had our first, you know, first, I guess you call it, heat of our Greatest Living Giants uh, contest to rank the Greatest Living Giants. So, from last week... Here are the three guys that have moved on, and they will be part of the final 12 vote that we'll have uh, as we get into training camp here. So the, the three that moved on last week, Eli Manning, no Banks, and Frank Gifford. Pretty much three no-brainers. I mean, three great, great players. Uh, Banks, I, I think, excellent player. But I think if anyone you, that might have not made it, maybe he's one. But, uh, you know, he's, he's held in such high regard. He still does the radio broadcast. He's still around the team. That uh, I really no question with those three guys, and no and no complaints from me. All right, I'm going to give you now as we wrap up episode 12 here. We'll wrap it up with this. I'm going to give you the 10 uh, that are out there right now. The voting has begun. Tell me your prediction for the three that will uh, will move on with the three I just gave you. Okay. Okay, let's do All it. All right, here we go. Here's this week's heat uh, for our greatest living giants rankings. We have Harry Carson, Phil Sims pair of great centers the Giants had in the 70s and then the 80s, Greg Larson, Bart Oates, uh, and then we had some contemporary guys. OCU Minura, Mark Bavaro, Victor Cruz, David Meggett, Jumbo Elliott, Plaxico Burris. If you had to pick three from that group, who are you picking? Well, the quarterbacks always, you know, the quarterbacks are the sexy pick always. So Phil Simms, you know, you can make the argument, greatest quarterback in Giants history. He's up there. Uh, Harry Carson, another great player, Hall of Famer. Should be a no-brainer. And Mark Bavaro always holds people's hearts. This was a great player also. A really, really, really good player. Uh, I think those will be the three guys that advance. Other guys who could make some noise, O.C. because he's current, put up big sack numbers. Uh, I don't see him really, my opinion, being comparable to the three that I mentioned. But I think he'll merit some consideration. Victor Cruz, because of the freshness of him, I think he'll get some consideration. And Plaxico... A little bit, but you know what? He didn't quite. He didn't have enough of a run with the Giants to really, really make the. You know, if he had a, a six, eight-year run with the Giants, he would easily be there because he caught a Super Bowl-winning touchdown and was a great player on top of that. But he shot himself, and uh, and you know we all know where that went. And now he has his problems. So it's hard for me to see Plaxico gaining enough uh, momentum there. David Meggett, not at that level of player. Uh, you know, great special teams guy, great returner, great guy to have on your team. Uh, we're only talking players, nothing off the field. Uh, so, uh, you know, but he's not at that level. Jumbo Elliott, I think people like Jumbo also, though. Very good player. I'm not sure he's at the great level player, uh, the great level that maybe like a guy like Bavaro would be in. So, uh, and the centers, they're, they're centers, so they're not they're not really – it would be hard, hard for me to envision centers getting uh, – that kind of love in this kind of thing. You got to be a Hall of Fame center basically to even register, I think. So uh, Carson Sims, Bavaro for me. Uh, Cruz, maybe a little, a little bit of a little bit of love. 
uh, as the fourth guy. What about you, Joe? What do you got? Who do you yeah, got? I, I would tend to agree with that. I think Cruz could make some noise because he's current. Everyone loves him. And then I, I'm with you, and I, I think yeah, the, I wonder Plax- if the injury. I wonder if the injury affects people there with him at all. It could. I think the Plaxico thing is fascinating because he, he looked to be on the path to that, and you know, he literally, I mean, you said it, he shot himself. But you think back, he caught the he game. Shot himself out of, he shot himself out of contention of our greatest living Giants ball. Yeah, and he shot that 08 Giants team out of contention because they looked yeah, like the best team yeah, in the NFL that, was, that year. That, there's, you know, a lot of people that will say that that was the best Giants team, that the, you know, this, this uh, Eli era. And uh, after Plaxico went down, obviously, you know, where they went to the tank and they weren't the same team. Got no, I, I agree with that notion. And as we wrap this up, I remember, I think it was October of that year, the Giants went into Pittsburgh, a good Steeler team that ended up, uh, you know, that, that Steeler team went, what, didn't they go to the Super Bowl? Yeah, they played the Cardinals yeah. in the Super Bowl that year. Yeah, they they went to Pittsburgh that October and, and really beat them and beat them pretty soundly. And I remember walking away from that game and saying, this is the best team in the NFL. They're better than the team that just won the Super Bowl. This is going to be a real tremendous run they're going to go on here. And, you know, ultimately they lost that first playoff game to the Eagles, and a big part of it was because they didn't have Plaxico. Yeah, they weren't the same team at that point. They really were, you know, they really were done at that point. Uh, once Plaxico was gone, and they, they just they just weren't the same team. You know, if you look at Plaxico, uh, he had two big. He really only had two. He only did have two thousand yard receiving years for the Giants. The other year he had nine eighty eight. Uh, so, you know, that's just not enough to, come, to fall into this category. Now, granted, in uh, the three full seasons he played for the Giants. He had 29 touchdowns, which is a tremendous number for you know 10 touchdowns a season is a is a great number. So he was on pace. If he could have had another two or three solid years, uh, you know he would have been in this in this discussion easily. But three full years is it was is just not enough to be considered one of the greatest living giants. Right, you're right. So it's, he, really, it's really just that simple. You know? It is. He had the and he had the big moments too. He had the Super Bowl game when he touched it, and he had that great title game against the Packers. I think he had like eleven or twelve catches. He was amazing that day. Yeah, I mean, he was a difference maker. He, nobody's going to argue, uh, you know, how good of a player Plaxico Burris was. He really, you know, he was a great player with the Giants at that time, and uh, especially when he, you know, had it all together uh, on and off the field, he was a dominant player, and uh, he, he, Eli loved, him. and uh, as a receiver at least. And uh, then it just went all downhill. So three full years, I can't see him being there. I mean, even even Cruz, you know, you look at Cruz's numbers. Cruz has had more success in his Giants career than, than Plaxico Burris. We're talking about regular season. Uh, he doesn't quite have that postseason success that you, you mentioned, which is pretty big, the fact that he caught the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that kind of – that's going to forever, that kind of. Yeah, in the last minute or whatever, the last two minutes. So. Yeah, a tremendous moment there. So this, uh, so that the voting is up right now. Get there, uh, NJ.com, for who you think should move on and who should be part of the next heat uh, for our greatest living Giants. So, uh, Jordan, this has been fun. We hit a lot of topics on episode 12 here, and uh, we were all over the place today. Yeah, Joe, see, July, and we still have plenty to talk about. It's not even July. It's close. We're, we're bordering, teetering. So imagine, once training camp actually comes around in August, we're going to be filled. We're going to be filled. We might have. We know this might be a three-hour podcast. If we can, if we can do that and our listeners can handle it, we'll pull it off. Well, I don't know if I could do that, but let's be honest. That's uh, what I was saying. If we could handle it, yeah. <laughs> you might you might find me on the ground by the end of the day uh, if if that's the case. But hey, no, we'll be back next week, episode lucky number thirteen, and uh, we'll do it again, Joe. 
Great stuff. Jordan, appreciate you being here. Appreciate everyone listening. And we'll be back next week uh, for episode 13. This has been episode 12 of Talking Cheap.